Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you about the recent GOP debate, about some of the things happening on the Democrat side of the race, and also Bernie Sanders. Um, those of us who watch politics closely and have for many years were not that surprised by what happened at the recent GOP debate, the second of the GOP debates of this campaign season. Uh, there's a phenomenon we often speak about, and I believe I've mentioned it on this podcast before, and that is uh, the phenomenon called the August oddity. And what it means is that uh, around August, the year before a presidential election, uh, people have yet to really focus on the race. They are still maybe at the beach, still maybe kicking back, you know, just getting into their summers, just going back to school, just getting serious about the fall. Um, and they, in the early part, in the August portion of that process, uh, often they're willing to look at outliers. They're willing to look at people who are new. They're willing to look at someone who has a message of, you know, throw the bums in D.C. out. And so if I took you back over the last decades to that month, uh, a year before each presidential election, uh, you would find people in the lead who didn't come close to winning. Uh, Jesse Jackson would be one who was in the lead in August in his race. Um, Pat Robertson. Others of that kind. So it's not that unusual to find that in the August, as a presidential election is ramping up for the next year, uh, that people who are outliers are in the lead. Uh, The relevance of that for this election, of course, is that it's not that surprising that someone like Donald Trump would be in the lead perhaps around that time. Uh, Trump is putting his finger on some things that Americans want to talk about, particularly immigration, which our federal and state governments have handled atrociously. Uh, Trump is a personality. He's entertaining. He's already been an entertainer, you know, with television shows and what have you. Um, he's bombastic. Uh, he, he's not the button down, smooth talking, boring, scratch your eyes out, wanting them to stop kind of politician. And so uh, he's appealed. And he's also appealed because the current president is uh, left-leaning. And so obviously the opposition is going to lean more to the right. The anger is going to be more on the right. And Donald Trump puts his finger on a lot of issues that people uh, of that stream like. So it's not been that big a surprise that Donald Trump would be in the lead or someone like him. Right-leaning, bombastic, entertaining, hard-talking. And given the anger in our politics, a little bit insulting. The other night, we saw the turning. Uh, In the GOP debate, you saw, first of all, Donald Trump make a fool out of himself, to be frank. Uh, He was asked a question initially, and he, uh, in the first, I'm talking about the first words he ever spoke in the debate, he did a reach around and took a swipe at Rand Paul. Completely unnecessary, uh, factually inaccurate, by the way, and it had nothing to do with the question that he was asked. He had just decided that when he got on stage, he should take a swipe at Rand Paul. Um, but we saw his anger. We saw his lack of ideas. We saw his, um, you know, the entertainment factor dropping. And he admitted openly some things that, that frankly, Americans find very offensive about him, uh, paying people to attend weddings and things of that nature. Uh, I'm glad that Donald Trump's in the world. I'm glad he's talking about some of the things he's talking about. I've been waiting, as I've said repeatedly in interviews, and I think on this podcast, for him to stop stop sucking all the oxygen out of the room so that others who are the more serious contenders could rise. I don't think he's a serious contender. I'm not even convinced he wants to be president. 
Um, I'm not sorry he's part of the debate, but I just don't think he's a serious statesman. And he's confused on a lot of issues, quite frankly, even issues related to the Christianity he espouses. So uh, not a hater, don't dislike him, but I'm glad that he's starting to fade a bit. I was very pleased that Carly Fiorina uh, took the lead. I've always been impressed with her. I'm not sure that in our current politics she can make it to the Oval Office. Uh, Probably she'll end up being appointed something, but I'm glad a woman is running on the right. I think we've had too little of that. Uh, I like her very much. She's... um, very well-spoken, and I thought, by the way, her, what was it, maybe 90 seconds on Planned Parenthood uh, were some of the finest minutes that I've, or seconds that I've ever seen uh, on national television related to that. So, well done. Uh, it, it, it's normal for, at this point, some things to shake out. Uh, we've already seen Mr. Walker leave the race as of this recording. We'll see some others leave the race. I don't think Mr. Kasich, as much as I like him, um, is is going to make it. I think there will be some others who will drop out. Uh, Ben Carson will be in the race for quite a while, but he's dropping fairly rapidly. And he also made a statement about Islam uh, this past week, which is uh, causing him to drop in the polls as well. So we're going to see some shaking out. I think the people who stepped up besides Ms. Fiorina, uh, believe it or not, was Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush has been very off balance, very clumsy, very outside of his game in this election. And I've been very, very disappointed in um, the fact that he wasn't able to fire back at Trump. He finally did. Uh, his main message ought to be, make all the noise you want, Mr. Trump. I even agree with you on a few things. But ultimately, it's going to come down to the experienced statement, statesmen, uh, the, the experienced people in government executing policy. And you don't have any of that experience, and I do. And he came close to saying that, and uh, it helped him. I, I really wish I could get into his camp and help him with his... Uh, presentation. That's not arrogance. It's what I, I do that uh, in part in the consulting that I do in D.C. And uh, Mr. Bush is very belied by his manner, his glasses, his style. There are things that could change. It really could could uh, help him, I think, if he would change them. So he took a step up. I thought Governor Christie took a step up. Um, I've always liked Ben Carson. He is sinking a bit. Um, and I think that, uh, that of course, Fiorina took a, took a step up. So Uh, We're going to see some adjustment. We're going to see some change. We're going to see some people drop out. But this was the turning point. There's been a fascination with Donald Trump. It's been a little bit of a breath of fresh air or maybe a wanted breath of foul air. (laughs) Maybe a better way to say it. Uh, But I think we're going to see in that uh, slate of candidates now, which is decreasing, uh, we're going to see the more experienced people, the Christie's, the the Bushes, uh, a few other people begin to step up and take the lead. And I think some of the ones who are uh, well-intentioned but just don't have game for this election will begin to drop off. What is intriguing to me outside of that is what's happening on the left. Um, I have never seen a politician blow it on as small a matters as uh, Hillary Clinton currently is. Um, I obviously am not with her politically. I think my views are well-known. I'm slightly right of center. She's maybe halfway to the left of center. Uh, so we disagree on some on many things, in fact. But I'll have to tell you, it really was hers to lose. And for the first time, I'm thinking that she could lose it. When I was telling people six months ago that, that Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee, um, they would just look at me in total disgust, but they, they accepted it as being true. We all did because uh, she seemed to be the heir apparent. She seemed to be the party choice. Um, she came very close last time. And uh, it just was obvious that she, you know it was hers to lose. And and by the way, she's she's losing it. 
and she's losing it over her, an inability of her campaign to be personable, to be available to the press, to address things straightforwardly, and these this email situation, which is, uh, I have to say, a product of nothing but arrogance. She knew it was wrong. She knew it wasn't allowed. She She knew she was breaking the law, but she wanted control of her own server, and so she paid a state State Department uh, functionary to maintain a private server for her when she had to know that what she was doing was wrong. In fact, we've seen emails in which her staff told her that what she was doing was was wrong and appropriate. Now, I'm not a person who spent a lot of time attacking, and um, and I, you know, what happens on the on the left side of the spectrum is not it does not have a lot of to do with me. Although I certainly uh, work with some Democrat politicians, but. Uh, Mrs. Clinton is just about to blow this, and she's about to blow it unnecessarily. Now, of course, what begins to happen is that they change tactics, and she begins to appear on the late night talk shows, and uh, you, you know, let the host pull her hair and joke and what have you. Um, and she begins to try to be more spontaneous, and uh, it might work, but it doesn't remove her legal issues. Which, by the way, is not just right wing prosecution. Uh, she there really is a violation of the law here. My own expectation is that she'll get through it. The biggest issue for me on the left, on the Democrat side, is Bernie Sanders. I am uh, really amazed by this man. Uh, I'm not with him on most political issues, but I really am amazed by him because here is an older, uh, far, far older than most presidential candidates, Vermont senator. (laughs) I mean, Vermont's about the size of a basketball court, uh, as much as I love that state. And uh, he is... Uh, running for office as an acknowledged socialist. Now, socialism in American history has certainly had uh, not, not been a popular cause, and it certainly isn't a popular cause right now. What I most admire about Mr. Sanders is that he is courageous. And I'll tell you what, that, that goes a long way with me in politics. It doesn't sway me to his side. Um, but Bernie Sanders is very courageous. I really admired when he went to Liberty University. Now, Liberty University is the school started by Jerry Falwell. Uh, it is a, a bastion of evangelicalism. It's, a, it's not really fundamentalist per se, but it's definitely a conservative Christian school, both politically and theologically conservative. And Bernie Sanders went right in there and spoke to them and, and didn't didn't miss a beat. In fact, he, he I think it's in the first paragraph. I'm, I'm spinning the, the speech down here on my iPad as I speak. In the first two or three paragraphs, he jumps right into the fact that he disagrees with the people at that school um, about abortion and women's rights and, and, um, and, and gay rights. I mean, he, he says it almost immediately. But uh, I, I tell you what, what is important, I think, for us to remember, though this man is not, I think, going to take the presidency at all. I should say, by the way, that if the primaries were held all at once today, uh, Bernie Sanders would win, which nobody could have expected. But he won't win long term. I think we all know that. But he is raising issues that need to be considered in our society. And I thought he did a very good job at Liberty of connecting uh, the, the prophetic calls by prophetic i mean from the prophets of the old testament the old testament prophet calls for uh, social justice uh to our current situation in the united states and he raises some issues that we need to be considering left right and center and frankly some of these are the issues that keep me from being hard right in my politics why well, I, I often say those of you who listen to my podcast know i often say that i'm just right of center I am, without question, and most of you will know the issues that that put me there, but I'm not hard right, and part of it is that I do believe there's a legitimate role for government, and I do believe uh, that we need to address some of these social issues very much 
as the Old Testament prophets would have urged us to. And Bernie Sanders raised some very, very important questions. Now, he's a socialist, of course, who goes around talking about who owns yachts and jet planes and has billions of dollars. And, you know, I don't, I don't sweat that stuff, but he does raise an important point. He says, when the top one-tenth of one percent, not one percent, the top one-tenth of one percent, today in America, owns almost as much wealth as the bottom 90%, he says that's unjust. Now, he would confiscate wealth. I would not. But we do need to consider that. Uh, we, we do need to consider uh, that 58% of all new income generated is going to the top 1% in this country. How did we get there? And how, does, how, how do we fix it? Uh, is it moral, he asked, when 20% of the children in this country, in the wealthiest country in the history of the world, are living in poverty? These are important questions. I think it's very important for us to ask these questions. Um, he raises questions about a rigged economy. He raises questions about prisons. Um, he raises, of course, the standard questions about a woman having a baby and having to go back to work after two weeks and things of that nature. Um, but uh, he, he raises very important questions about African-Americans, which you know is not only a love of mine, but also a, a, a cause I work for in politics. 51% of African-American high school graduates between the ages of 17 and 20 are unemployed or underemployed. 51%. What, what does that mean? What, what, how should we be dealing with that? Um, and, then, and then, of course, the, we have the most people in prison of any nation in the world, uh, even mo more than those nations that we would call authoritarian or even tyrannical. We have more uh, people as a percentage of population uh, in, our, in our country uh, in prison than China or Iran or any of those. We have far more people in prison. Why? And by the way, most of them are for fairly minor drug offenses, the vast majority, which I'm certainly not soft on the issue of drugs, but, but I do think our laws are skewed there. So what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I believe in re looking at trends. I believe in trying to learn about what's happening in our society. I believe in trying to uh, understand the times. And the rise of Bernie Sanders, though I do not believe it'll be to the Oval Office, is fascinating because, uh, like I say, older Vermont uh, socialist, but he's raising issues that people care about. Uh, he's raising issues that we need to be addressing as a matter of social justice in this country, left, right, and center. And I think I, I can say this and not have anyone distance themselves from this analysis, anyone who might be on the right. The, the fact is that these are issues that the solutions of the right, as they're currently stated, do not deal with. Uh, you don't hear hear uh, Republican politicians talking about the prison population for the most part. You don't hear Republican politicians uh, talking about uh, the, the woeful uh, unjust distribution of wealth in this society. Uh, you don't you don't hear that much from the right about children in poverty and about hunger and things of those nature nature of that nature. And that's where I would depart from being um, right leaning and say I'm a Christian first. And a Christian is meant to care for the poor. A Christian is meant to look at economic justice. A Christian is meant to consider these things. So uh, I, I believe that we are in a very interesting turn in this presidential race. Granted, it's only September the year before. We still got, what, 14 months till anybody votes for a president. Um, but the fact of the matter is that there's a reshuffle happening on the right. The rise of Bernie Sanders on the left is showing us not only that Hillary Clinton is vulnerable, uh, but that people care deeply about some of these social justice issues, even to the extent of listening to the solutions of a socialist. And I want to say to those of you who are, who are Christians or Judeo-Christian, 
Um, even my Muslim friends who listen will have some of these same values. Caring for the poor, caring for the needy is a sign of, the just, of a just society. And obviously an unrestrained free market does not deal with those kinds of issues. We should have known those, that from the words of Jesus. We should have known that from the words of the prophets. We should have known that from the observations of history. And I'm still right of center. And I and I'm I still do the work that I do in D.C. But I'm saying this is these are issues that we need to consider, and the solutions I believe of neither the Republican nor the Democratic Party uh, are providing those answers. There's one wild card I have yet to yet to mention, and that is that our Vice President Joe Biden is considering running. I think it's 50-50 as to whether he runs. I don't think he has the fire he's had in earlier elections. I think eight years as vice president has taken him, taken it out of him, and he's older, but it's still a possibility he will run. And I think that if uh, Hillary Clinton walks with any more of a limp in the next weeks from uh, her foibles, I think it's very possible that Biden's going to realize that Hillary's not going to win uh, should that event, should that eventuality rise, that Bernie Sanders is saying important things but is not going to win, and that Biden could very well, give, given the possibility of disarray on the right, become the next president of the United States. Now, he hasn't declared, and we don't know what kind of campaign he would run, but he is talking to deep pockets. He is talking to potential staff and campaign heads. He is forming an organization for some purpose. So everything is unformed at this point as far as specific candidates and people taking the lead. But the trends, the moderate trend, the hunger of the country for social justice, um, and even the dialogue that's happening. I was very proud of Liberty University for giving Bernie Sanders a forum. What, 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 what should they fear? Why should they fear that? I was proud of them for being willing to have a socialist and a socialist who, who says openly he's not a Christian. Um, speaking at a fundamentalist or, or really more of an evangelical university. That's the kind of dialogue that should be happening, and hopefully some good and righteous solutions can come from that dialogue. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and The Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, the Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.